I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central episode 179 for the weekend starting 9 June 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, the new look Tech Central, the home of mm, South nice. Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, the Constitutional Court Judgment on Digital TV. Also this week, NTT said to mull Die Data Africa sale, Telcom to get a new name, Telcom again to boost DSL to 100 megs a second, and Apple's $5,000 iMac Pro. Oh, I want it so badly. Time to earn those dollars to afford that beast. Well, welcome to the podcast. How's it, Rechat? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. We're recording on a on a Sunday morning um, uh, at our respective homes, uh, just because we ran out of time on Friday. Uh, oh, we can make use of the fiber now, so... We can, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the, li- the line is sounding good, so we're, we're doing our recording uh, via Skype this week. And, um, yeah, lots to talk about. Man, it's been a busy week. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yes. And we, we weren't even... I don't think we were even going to touch on the Gupta emails this week. Um mm. Uh, which which was really the, the the big news story, I think, uh, generally. Um, but uh, lots happening in the tech space as well, and lots happening with our um, with our podcast. Uh, two great podcasts this week. If you missed them, I'd with I'd recommend going back and having listened to them. Uh, we had an interview with uh, Duncan Simpson Crabe, who is the CEO of Wireless Business Solutions, which has just been renamed. Uh, I won't say to what yet because it's one of our quiz questions this week, uh, and that's a really interesting discussion about. Um, about the network they're rolling out, uh, why they changed their name, um, you know how they're trying to position themselves uh, competitively in the market sp- uh, marketplace with their, with their new um, wireless broadband network. Interesting discussion with Duncan, and then uh, David Can, uh, who of course is the founder and CEO of Mustek, uh, had a great chat with him earlier in the week. Uh, looking back at 30 years of Mustek, they 30 years old this year. He founded it back mm. in 1987. Uh, talking about how how he broke into the PC industry, uh, built an early lead in this market uh, thanks to sanctions um, relative to the big international uh, companies. Mm. Um, how he built a, a, a local assembly manu- uh, local assembly PC assembly business, uh, and um, and how the Mustek business has expanded over the years. So really interesting chat with uh, with David, who's who's really a. Um, one of the stalwarts, I suppose I could describe him uh, in the local ICT industry. So good to yeah. check both of those podcasts. I'd recommend uh, going to have a listen to them. But before we get into the news this week, uh, let's do our quiz. Rechard, do you want to kick off with the first question? Definitely. The first question, which two companies bought into Stellenbosch Infosec company intersect this week? Our second question is I'll take a slug of coffee. <laughs> iBurst and Broadlink parent WBS has a new name. What is it? And the third question, the answer to question two is building a wireless broadband network using which technology? Uh, fourth question, which telecommunications operator is, and uh, I'm sure you watched it last night, is the new headline sponsor of the Springboks, uh, and they won their game. And for yep. a bonus point, uh, what is the sponsorship period? We're looking for the number of years. And the final question, Apple has unveiled a new smart speaker for the home. What is it called? And we'll talk about that during uh, during the show today. So lots in the news to talk about this week. Uh, I think the, the 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 big story, the really big story, was the uh, constitutional court judgment, which we've all been waiting for, handed down on Thursday. And uh, that that judgment really could have gone either way. Uh, in the end, it, the 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 concord judges uh, were uh, di- were divided themselves on the issue, uh, but ultimately it came down to a a, mono- a majority judgment. Uh, found in favour of communications, the former communications minister Faith Mutambi. 
and found that she in fact lawfully changed the broadcast digital migration policy in 2015 to exclude encryption in government subsidized set-top boxes. Uh, so, you know, this battle, we know, Rachel, this battle's been going on for many years. For years. And yeah. years and years through the court system. Uh, ETV won a, a, an appeal at the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein, I think in 2014 or 2015. I think it was, no, sorry, it was 2016. Uh, and um, the minister then took that on, on review at, at the Constitutional Court, and she was supported in her application by MultiChoice and the SABC. Uh, and uh, ETV was uh, supported by Media Monitoring Africa, I think, and SOS, uh, Save Our SABC Coalition. ETV lost, uh, and the minister won um, the uh, judgment finding that uh, there should be no uh, encryption in these set-top boxes. Unfortunately, this is not the end of the story. Um, uh, I think a lot of people were hoping that once the Concord handed down judgment, we would just simply get on with the process of digital migration and that would be the end of it. Uh, but we have a new minister now of, uh, of communications, Ayanda Dlodlo, who told Parliament a couple of weeks ago that she wants to reverse uh, Faith Mutambi's reversal of the earlier policy <laughs> and go back, go back to encryption uh, in the set-top boxes. Uh, so it's um, it's unclear where we're going now. It's unclear from the judgment whether she can change the policy. I, I, my interpretation as a non-legal expert uh, is that she can. Um, and uh, listening to an interview she did on the radio the other day, I think it was on uh, I think it was on the morning show on seven hundred two. Uh, she uh, hinted very strongly that uh, she is very much in favour of encryption and that this is the ANC uh, policy uh, on the issue and therefore uh, she's going to implement SA, uh, ANC policy on the issue. So um, it appears that we're likely that to, she's likely to reverse the encryption uh, decision, which I personally believe is a mistake through my analysis of the situation. Mm. Um, so what does this mean? Does it mean we get a further legal challenge from multi-choice or someone else? Um, certainly the, the, the person who was very much against encryption, the idea of encryption at the SABC is no longer there, and that's Claudia Mutsuneng. Um, multi-choice obviously still has a strong view on this. In fact, they put out a statement this week saying that this is a, um, a victory for, uh, uh, for, for them and uh, for, for those in the anti-encryption lobby. Um, but I, I think that may be wishful thinking, given given what the new minister has said. So I think there's a very I, th I think it's it looks likely now that uh, we're going to go back to the policy that was developed by Yunus Karim um, or something similar. Um, probably has to be approved once again by cabinet. Now the big worry is that um, multi-choice is now going to say, well, the constitutional court found in favour of Faith Mutambi. Um, maybe we need to move ahead with this policy and not try and amend it once again and go back to the previous minister's policy. And um, and there's a, a, a possibility that she might, um, or that the company may then say, well, let's take this back on review <laughs> at the high court. And, uh, you know, you know, the risk then of the going through that whole process again of the high court, the Supreme Court of Appeal and the Constitutional Court. Um, Maybe, I don't know, maybe multi-choice is tired of the litigation. Um, you know, maybe it just goes ahead now. But it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, uh, this is far from over, unfortunately. I, I can't, and I can't help but think how much time and money is being wasted uh, yeah. on something so important that should really have 
uh, black and white answer, you know, mm. yes and no. Like, it, it should be straightforward. It's very sad to see, but it's a, a little bit frustrating to mm. just to see that we have to go back and uh, yeah. fight this again. I mean, the problem is that uh, is that the ANC is divided on the issue and that depending on who the minister is, and we know Zuma, chop and, Zuma chops and changes his ministers uh, depending on the time of the day, yeah. um, you know, depending on who the minister is, there's a different view on the subject. Um, uh, I think Claude Law is right in that it is official ANC policy, and and, and that was cut, they came up with that at an ANC conference. I think it was at Mangaung back in 2015 or 2014 even, uh, and certainly it appeared that Faith Mutambi was making decisions that flew in the face of ANC policy. Uh, so mm. from, that, from that respect, uh, I suppose she's politically correct uh, in doing this. Um, I still maintain that uh, that encryption is anti-poor and uh, is exactly. is not for is, the people. No, it's um, it's 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 it benefit benefit the broadcaster more than it does the end user. Mm. Um, mm. In terms of the costs, the the fact that you're going to have to have one of these these decoders um, in perpetuity if you want to watch terrestrial television. Um, but be that as it may, uh, this, I think this matter is far from finished. But uh, yeah, the, yeah. the the par- parliament is having a, a joint he- uh, hearing of the pod- portfolio committees on um, communications and telecommunications and postal services on the twentieth of June, and we're expecting the minister to make uh, some further announcements or, or provide some more clarity on what her thinking is around this issue. Uh, during that uh, joint sitting, so uh, so it's we're looking at just over a week and week a week and a half from now, uh, mm-hmm. we should have uh, we should have some more clarity on what the government's thinking around this is and how we're going to go forward on digital TV. But let's hope whatever gets decided that um, that it doesn't get taken on review again. Yeah, at the yeah, high we, court. I don't think we can afford to waste more time on this, um, especially considering you know with with every year that goes past with with this kind of uh, issue lingering. You know, streaming and uh, mobile broadband is just getting a stronger foothold. You know, it's not it's not helping the poor, but it's it's becoming, you know, kind of the only way for people to start consuming certain media types. Um, and once terrestrial television becomes another burden, you know, where do you go to? Mobile well, first, probably. Well, that's the irony of this whole thing is that uh, um, you know the, the quicker we can get the, the the digital dividend bands in the hands of the mobile operators, the the, the bigger the impact on the broadcasting sector. And and uh, you know uh, the, the foster the shift away from uh, linear terrestrial broadcasting to uh, online on demand entertainment. So a very interesting piece on Bloomberg on Friday, uh, suggesting that um, dimension data Middle East and Africa uh, may be for sale. Uh, of course, that includes the um, die data operations in the region as well as internet solutions. Um, now, in, uh, Bloomberg's reporting that uh, that NTT, which is the company that obviously bought dimension data. I think for a 24 billion rand deal uh, several mm. years ago, I forget the exact, exactly when it happened. I think it was about five or six years back now, suggesting that they're looking to offload their African operations. Um, I've spoken to sources at uh, Dimension Data who say that this is complete rubbish, uh, that it's not happening at all. Uh, so um, Bloomberg quoting three uh, unnamed sources saying that this is uh, that the, 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 uh, NTT is is canvassing. The market for potential bidders for this business. Uh, so interesting speculation, but um, certainly the people I've spoken to inside Dimension Data say it's absolutely not true and it's not happening. Um, mm. But it could uh, it could be interesting. I mean, Bloomberg suggesting that what's happening is that um, management is potentially looking to do an MBO uh, of the local business and then to relist it on the stock market. 
Um, that data obviously was delisted from the JSE and the LSE for that matter, uh, London mm. Stock Exchange, when the NTT deal happened. Um, so it'd be interesting to see data coming back to market, but possibly in this region. Um, speculation then uh, that uh, that that might be exactly what's happening. Although uh, my sources are telling me that this is not happening, so uh, we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> Look, the corporate the corporate tie line usually is deny until or you know you just, you just it don't acknowledge it, it until it's it, that, been announced. That's true, but you know I'm speaking to sources who would tell me behind the sure, scenes this sure, is what's sure. happening and. Uh, you know, not not talking to people for for an on the record quote or anything, and they're mm, telling mm. me off the record nothing. behind the scenes nothing's happening. Interesting stuff. But there's been a lot of um, speculation about corporate action involving Dimension Data lately, mm. um, and, and certainly they've shown themselves to be inter- uh, you know um, capable of doing it. I mean, we saw the Mweb acquisition recently, yeah, uh, yeah, which was really interesting. And then there was some I heard some speculation that they were potentially interested in having a look at Terraco. Um, again, my sources said that that just simply wasn't the case. Uh, and then subsequent to that, I uh, heard rumors that they were looking at um, at Dark Fiber Africa uh, hmm. as a potential acquisition. Um, Dark Fiber Africa was going through a, a funding round. They've subsequently announced that they've successfully raised, I think it was 1.2 billion rand in, in new funding for network rollout, etc. cetera. Uh, so I guess that speculation probably arose from them looking at the markets and, you know, mm. looking for potential source of funders. And uh, I guess there were some companies sniffing around and Internet Solutions or Dimension Data may have been one of those. Um, so there was, there was probably something to that one. Um, mm. But, mm. but certainly the company is uh, is actively looking around the market. It's uh, it's clear that they've got an appetite for, to do something. Oh, yeah, and and it def- definitely seems that they've also done a refresh across their online kind of look and feel. So there's definitely some movement happening uh, behind the scenes there. They're definitely doing stuff, yeah. And um, of course, Internet Solutions just this week announcing that they've uh, launched Cloud WAN, which is a an SD WAN service, a software defined wide area network technology. It's really um, it delivering uh, WAN or wide area networking as a service, um, pretty much like you buy software as a service today on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that it becomes much more easy to manage your um, your, your corporate WAN, your, your remote branches and that sort of thing as a service rather than as a, um, you know, rather than yeah, yeah. You know, going out there and deploying specific routers and all this sort of stuff. You, you kind of buy it as a service. It's a really interesting, um, I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm simplifying that terribly, but um, it's, <laughs> it's a, about an right. interesting move. Yeah. And, um, but this rumor about corporate action involving Dimension Data one way or the other, either if it's NTT possibly selling the local operations or the local operations possibly making acquisitions, um, there certainly must be some discussions going on in the background that's, um, that's, that's stoking all the speculation and talk in the market. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly, I think, I, I think the Terraco stuff was probably not true, but I, I think the, there was probably something to the DFA rumors, uh, and uh, there may be something to this uh, NTT uh, looking to sell off its African operations, but um, certainly uh, the people I'm speaking to say it's not happening. Yeah. We'll have to see. Right, I think we need to take an ad break, Rehot. We'll be back right after this. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber, now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. 
Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehat? How's it, Duncan? So, Skype is holding out uh, quite well. We had some uh, issues a bit earlier in the show with some, some mm. noise. I hope it doesn't come through too too well, uh, too badly during the podcast, but we've redialed our Skype now and uh, it, the problem seems to have cleared up, so it must have been a Skype issue. Um, so, Telcom, believe it or not, is getting a new name. What? That's almost <laughs> sacrilege, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, it's certainly a, a name that's been in the market. When did the telecom name emerge? Um, it must have been in the early 90s, if not earlier. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember the campaign they did when they changed that keypad logo design uh, back in the 90s, I think it was. Changed to the keypad logo. To the keypad. Or yeah. they changed away from the T that they had to this weird keypad logo. Oh, uh, right, yeah. Because they, they ditched the keypad logo a couple of years ago now. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was long overdue. Cause, I mean, really. Keypad <laughs> um, I quite like the Telcom logo now, actually. Just a plain blue Telcom, uh, white on, on blue background. Uh, but, um, yeah, they're, uh, they're going to... They're going to be changing the name, but there's a few. Um, there's a reason for this. Uh, the telecom brand is still going to be in the market. Mm. Uh, it's going to be the consumer-facing uh, retail telecommunications brand uh, that serves uh, serves uh, small and medium enterprises as well as uh, as well as uh, the home user. Uh, so, uh, from that point of view, you, you know, the telecom name is not disappearing. But what's happening is the head office name is going to change because they're restructuring into what the CEO, Sipo Maseko, says is a Remgro-style corporate holding entity. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't got a new name for it yet. Uh, they're busy working on that. Um, but it's going to hold a, a range of disparate, disparate um, assets. Uh, we'll have a story up on this on, on Tech Central a bit later this morning, Sunday morning. Uh, but uh, they're, um, they're going to have five uh, subsidiaries to this business uh, to start. Uh, they're going to have Telcom. Um, I'm trying to remember all of these because I don't have the story in front of me. Telcom, they're going to have BCX, which will be their um, business-focused brand, which is the merger of Business Connection and Telcom Business. Uh, and then they're going to have Trudon, uh, which I think is the old directory business, um, Yellow Pages and that sort of thing. Sure, well, that, that still exists. <laughs> it does, but they Trudon is, is, it has been completely turned on its head. It's, it's now being reinvented as an e-commerce player. Hmm. Um, and they've launching a whole lot of e-commerce properties, some quite interesting stuff, including a price comparison website. Um, huh. So Trudon, Trudon is the old directory business, but they've, they've completely reinvented themselves uh, or in the process of doing so. Uh, how many is that? That's three. Uh, hmm. um, I am going to miss one, aren't I? Uh, oh, of course, there's OpenServe, uh, which was the retail arm, which was spun off, I think, back in 2015. Uh, OpenServe, uh, kind of like the UK model where you've got OpenReach, BT OpenReach, which was uh, which was spun out. That was a regulatory thing that was forced on uh, on BT in the UK. Telcom, mm. interestingly enough, did it voluntarily. Uh, so they've got that wholesale arm, which now is um, really at arm's length from the Telcom retail and is meant to serve the market equally, all ISPs equally. Uh, and um, and they're, they're responsible really for building the, the, the Telcom network, the mobile network and the fixed line uh, infrastructure. And um, they're the guys you, whose vans you see in the street, etc. Um, mm. And then the last um, component uh, is a new business called Gyro, G-Y-R-O. And that's going to house all of um, Telcom's property assets. Uh, so all of its telephone exchanges, its, its base stations and towers, um, you know, all of its land. And it's got a huge amount of land around South Africa. 
Uh, all of that is going to get housed in this property management company called Gyro, uh, which uh, Sipo Maseko says what he wants managed like another uh, property man, any other property management company like Redefined Properties, for example, or Growth Point. Mm, mm. And uh, he wants it to compete with those companies. And uh, um, yeah, so we're going to have five, five, five subsidiary companies to the new Telcom corporate, which will have a new name. So not Telcom. Uh, so very, very interesting, quite radical restructuring of the group. Uh, um, and I would assume at some point, perhaps when uh, there's a, a perhaps a less, le- less left-wing government in power in South Africa, uh, that once all of this is done, it'll be quite easy to privatize some of those assets, mm. like property management, for example. Perhaps mm. you could float mm. that on the stock market. Um, um, uh, I don't know about the other businesses, but certainly, I mean, maybe Trudon at some point, um, yeah. if it builds a, 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 a powerful e-commerce business, maybe that also could be floated separately. Um, there's no word yet on any plans to list any of these businesses, but um, but maybe down down the line, it would make sense to to float them on a stock market or even potentially to sell them, sell them off if they get the right offer from from someone. Yeah, those businesses have the potential uh, to to make maybe, some money. Yeah. But what's really interesting about this is how it, it almost flies in the face of what the big telecommunications operators in this country have historically done, um, mm. certainly the likes of MTN and Vodacom, which have always sought to build, uh, and I know it's a bit of jargon, but they've always sought to build these vertically integrated companies that do everything from top to bottom. Um, effectively, what he's doing here with telecom is he's um, doing the opposite of that. Um, uh, he's, he's almost delayering de- it. Uh, and creating these separate entities that um, are, are really are separate from each other. Because what he wants to do is he wants to be able to encourage the property company, for example, to be able to do deals without the telecommunications arm of the company saying, oh, you know, you can't do that because it's, it's mm. against our interests in the telecommunications market. So in essence, what could happen now is Gyro, the property company, could uh, say, well, yeah, we've got all the space in our uh, telephone exchanges. Hey, Vumatel, do you want to come and uh, co-locate some of your equipment in our telephone exchanges? Uh, we'll lease you some space. Or, uh, hey, um, uh, you know, um, uh, I don't know, Cell uh, C, we've got all these high sites around the country. Uh, uh, do you want to lease some space on our towers? I know we, we, we see you need some more coverage in these areas, so you're welcome to use our infrastructure. Now, in the past, the telecommunications arm of the business would have said, hey, whoa, no, we can't do this. You know, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this is going to hurt our business. Uh, and, and so for the property side of the company couldn't monetize its assets properly. Uh, so the idea now is that um, with these things as separate entities within the organization, with their own profit and loss accounts, uh, they'll be able to make the decisions that are in their best interest, not in the best interests of another arm of the organization. Um, it's an interesting move. Uh, and I asked him whether this has been done anywhere else in the world. Uh, and he said that um, apparently it's happened in New Zealand. The New Zealand operator has uh, has gone through a similar um delayering and apparently in the u.s some of the operators there have looked at this as well so it's certainly a a, a big bold move by telecom um uh, meant to unlock shareholder value that old uh, Mm, hoary chestnut if you like (laughs) um and uh, it it probably will but uh, you know i suppose for the average consumer out there uh the, the question is what does this actually mean for my my telecom service at the end of the day is that is that open serve guy going to pitch up any quicker than he does at the moment to fix my line mm. when it goes down? Um, and I, I suppose it could be argued that um, you know a lot of this is focused at a corporate restructuring level when a lot of the work still needs to be done at the actual operational level inside telecom. 
um, in terms of mm. delivering service to customers. Uh, so while it may end up um, being very positive for shareholders of the company, um, Telcom still needs to fix its customer service. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I think it can only be a good move. We haven't seen uh, anything this drastic coming from them. And I think this is going to be a move for the better, especially if you can, I guess, micromanage some of those services a bit better, mm-hmm. and especially the guys on the ground. You know, if they don't have to uh, serve as part of a massive organization, but rather a smaller company that's very tightly organized, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. become a competitive player, yeah. it can be very good for consumers. Yeah, if you're, if you're a lean... I mean, I guess, you know, you've got to have the, the corporate structure right before you can uh, uh, you know, learn to walk before you can run, I suppose is the mm. phrase. Um, and, and having the right corporate structure in place would certainly help that. Um, and certainly these companies are facing uh, increased competition and they, they need to be more nimble and they need to be able to make decisions on the fly. And not having to worry about what another arm of the company might think of this uh, would, would certainly empower them, I think, to make those decisions much more quickly. Um, and yeah, it, it looks positive to me as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Telcom wasn't in the news this week for uh, restructuring only. Um, I think the other thing that really uh, caught people's attention was something that Sipo Maseko announced during the course of the presentation on Monday, which was at uh, BCX's offices in Midrand, was that um, they are going to be introducing 100 megabit per second over copper. DSL. Hmm, um, sounds very nice. They're going to be using a technology called GFAST, uh, which is a DSL, quite a new DSL technology. Um, it goes way beyond VDSL, which is the uh, other um, technology that Telcom has deployed in the market to try and improve speeds over the, over its legacy copper infrastructure. Now, they're talking about 100 megs a second on the downlink. I'm not sure how fast it will be on the uplink. Mm. But um, the, the, there are a number of caveats here. Um, this is uh, over very short loop lengths. So we're not mm. talking mm. about five kilometers to your local exchange. Um, and uh, loop links in South Africa are, are a big problem. You know, they're, they're very long yeah. to, to, yeah. to other markets. But what Telcom has been doing over the last few years is they've been shortening the length of those lo- those loops, those local loops. Um, so a lot of the, the trenching you've seen in the streets hasn't been for fiber to the home specifically, but has been open serve, looking to shorten those loops by pulling fiber through the streets into the cabinet boxes you see around uh uh, those little green uh, telecom boxes, some of them are white, uh, uh, on street corners. And mm, mm. Um, so, the in effect, what's happening is that um, those have fiber into them, so the loop length is much shorter into your house. Um, it's, it's no longer copper all the way from your house to the exchange. It's now uh, copper from your house to the junction box on the corner, the distribution box, I think they're called. Um and so this is allowing them now to look at uh, foster technologies. VDSL in particular, they were able to introduce because of that uh, mm. that rollout and also the deployment of those MSAN boxes, those big white telecom boxes, uh, which can be used for both copper and fiber to the home. Um, so what they're doing now is deploying this GFOST technology. It's, it's only really going to be deployed in, in places like blocks of flats, in housing estates, uh, complexes, uh, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, the idea then is that they actually build a, um, uh, some sort of distribution box or little server room inside the complex or inside the block of flats. And from there, they distribute over the existing copper wire infrastructure over the last few hundred meters uh, into, into people's homes. So this is not something if you live in in uh, you know uh, a big leafy suburb like Bryanston in Johannesburg, for example, in a standalone house. This technology is not going to be for you. 
this is going to be for high density housing uh, and for for um, people living inside uh, complexes for example mm, mm. where they can actually deploy uh, their little server room or whatever you call it their distribution yeah. room uh in a, in a in a in an area inside uh, a housing estate or a, or a or a block of flats for example and then distribute uh, the last couple of hundred meters over over copper because gfast is not suited to distances of longer than about 500 meters yeah. Uh, so it's not going to be for everyone, but um, in in areas, for example, where um, you know they've got an issue with uh, a body corporate saying uh, over our dead bodies, are you coming to <laughs> trench our um, <laughs> complex? Uh, yeah. You know, luckily I, I live uh, where I live. Uh, the, the 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 residents bought into the idea of uh, of trenching the complex and putting in um, fiber wool boxes and that sort of thing, and it was a very disruptive process that took over a month. Um, luckily, I, you know, I, I, I sold them on it <laughs> quite aggressively, <laughs> and, and so it was it was successful, and uh, and and we have fiber. But I, I know there are many complexes where um, where you know uh, maybe only one or two people are interested mm, in mm. getting a a really high speed solution, and the body corporate says, well, no, this is going to be too disruptive. So what Telcom is saying now, well, this is a potential solution for that, because what we can do is we can uh, all we have to do is deploy our infrastructure, say at the main gate. And uh, and from there we'll we'll continue to distribute over the existing copper inside your inside your complex. Uh, they're then able to deliver up to 100 megabit per second uh, over DSL technology over this, using this GFOS technology uh, without the incurring the cost first of all, uh, or also um, incurring the uh, wrath uh, of the residents uh, mm -hmm. as they as they trench through the complex, or even worse, do aerial fiber, which is really unsightly. Yeah. yeah. This is a fantastic idea. I really wish they did it sooner. I mean, I remember two years ago uh, when I was eager for faster internet, only at 8 meg at the time, VDSL was just down the road, but they couldn't deploy it fast enough. Um, and this, in the suburbs, I mean, I understand the high density, yes, perfect solution, but even in suburbs, this could have been such a great alternative yeah. uh, to DSL or even as a great competitor to fiber. Because yeah. it seems that you, know, you only need to deploy one or two of those boxes in the suburb then you can kind of, you know, speed up the the short distance relay, and then uh, have fiber in the back wall. Um, look, I'm happy with fiber. I'm glad I, I didn't go for something like this. Yeah. But uh, I love the technology. The fact that you can still utilize some of this older copper uh, in the ground. Yeah, it's it it is a, it is a smart idea. My my, my concern is that uh, um, you, you, now that they've got this in their in their toolkit. My my concern is that a lot of um, complexes are now going to say, "Well, let's just de just just deploy this." Do that rather, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas which fiber, is not ideal. Which whereas fiber is still the better solution. Oh yeah, you might oh, be yeah. able to get a hundred meg over copper, but it's still copper. It's still old technology. Mm -hmm. It's still um, un unreliable. It's uh, you know it's it's uh, and you're not going to get the same um, upload speeds and probably not the same, just not the same. It's not going to be as clean, for yeah, sure. I mean, your yeah. latencies are going to be higher, most likely. Probably, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's nice to have it in the toolkit. I, you know, mm. if I, I was Telcom, I probably wouldn't be punting this. Uh, and I'd, I'd only punt this if there was an issue in deploying fiber inside a complex, for example, um, because fiber is the technology you really want to deploy because mm. it's it's future-proof. Um, 
But and and having said that, I think this this you know speaking about these complexes, you know, uh, leafy suburbs where where there's lots of money to pay for lots of data and stuff mm. will obviously go for for the fiber solution. Yeah. But but the guy, you know, the the kind of uh, the lower IS, uh, LSM net neighborhoods um, or those buildings where this will be rolled out, will those uh, um, will those uh, households actually be using hundred megs to begin with? Because mm, yeah. would they would they pay for the data? I don't know. I mean, yeah, a lot of questions. Indeed. Still love the technology, but yeah. um, no, it's cool to see Telcom doing interesting things, you know. And I think this is a, 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 a the direct result of all the competition they're facing in this market now for the first time. Um, they've got real competition in the lo- in the last mile in South Africa, and we saw that in their in their numbers reported this week, where we saw the number of broadband lines in service um, uh, in the, in Telcom on Telcom's books actually go backwards, yeah. uh, which suggests they are actually losing market share to the new the new the new guys. So they've got to they've got to play smart and uh, and uh, defend their market share, and it's fantastic oh, yeah. for consumers. Oh, yeah. um, the last item in news this week is the Apple, the big Apple keynote, uh, which um, which I watched. Did you see it, uh, Rechot? Um, oh yeah, yeah. It yeah, was. No, I loved uh, it. Uh, they made some interesting announcements. Uh, quite a bit to talk about. Um, uh, let's let's start with the new iOS. Uh, my my first take on it was um, well, certainly it's it's the it's a major upgrade to iOS, particularly oh, for, yes. for iPad users, which I'm quite excited about because I uh, mm-hmm. I'm still a, an iPad user. I think it's the only Apple product I still actively use, um, and it's uh, quite a radical overhaul of iOS. It almost looks like they're making it more like a, a PC operating system, or, yeah, like a desktop based operating yeah. system. I think they're aligning. How the desktop operating system works versus the mobile operating systems, which yeah. I think is a clever move. Yeah, yeah, uh, some interesting new stuff like a dock, for example, a floating dock on uh, on mm-hmm. iOS. Um, I quite like the idea of that. Um, just just a, a bunch of cool features, which uh, uh, which I really like the look of. So um, that's yeah. only coming out though in uh, in 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 the fall, uh, which means our springtime. Uh, so around September, I guess they'll um, release it around the time of the the, the next iPhone, uh, which oh, yes, is usually, yeah. uh, usually late yeah. Septemberish. Um, uh, so the new iOS probably coming out uh, around the same time, maybe a couple of weeks before. But again, most most uh, older Apple uh, iPad users or, or mobile devices will still be able to make use of it, which is fantastic. You know, um, obviously going back what I think to 2010 is. Uh, oh right, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's quite cool. Yeah, I mean, there, there was an issue with those earlier iPads, with every, every especially those first generation ones, um, with every successive uh, iOS update, they would get slower and slower and slower. Mm. So I, I hope mm. that's not the case. I have an iPad Air two, uh, so by two year, two or three year old technology now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, my expectation is that it's still going to be silky smooth on this new iOS. I'll be disappointed if it slows down. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, HomePod. What do you make of HomePod? Oh, very interesting. Um, I like the fact that it's a speaker first, which, you know, apparently they the, the, the technology put in it for audio is what it's about, and then the technology uh, to access Siri and those things over on top of it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of the idea. I've never used the, an in-home assistant like that, so I guess we still need to get used to, to do that kind of thing. Um, but I'm a big fan of the Apple speaker. I mean, the iPod Hi-Fi, I still use it here every day in my house. Mm. Uh, it's, what's it, a 10-year-old product. Um, so if this thing is anything close to that with the Ada technology in terms of audio, yeah. um, I'd be very curious. 
Yeah, it's interesting that it's quite a bit more pricey than the competition, uh, the Google Home mm. and the Amazon Echo. Uh, but then the speaker does seem to be of a higher quality. They they really are punting the audio quality of this. Yeah. Um, uh, one wonders whether the, the speaker was made by Beats. It was interesting that there was no Beats branding on it at all. And I, I wonder why that's, that's, that's the case. Because, you know, they bought mm. this um, audio company, uh, why not put the Beats branding on it? Why just use the Apple logo? Um, but you know, certainly, uh, I think the Beats brand uh, is not looked on very favorably mm, by audiophiles. Mm, exactly. Uh, so maybe that was the decision. Um, I think there's a there's a growing realization, uh, if I can call it that, in the market that Beats headphones are not uh, are, are not the sort of quality that uh, you get from a say a Bose headset or something similar. Mm, mm. Um, uh, that it's it's really more about the brand than the than the than the actual quality that you're getting, uh, and I, I think that's perhaps a perception issue problem that uh, that Apple has. Um, yeah. So that might have been the decision, even if this device was built by Beats, which I imagine it would have been. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> that's perhaps the reason to call it Beats. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. I don't think. Mm. I think this is a little bit. <laughs> For me, this is beyond Beats, you know, uh, or, or it's bigger than Beats. You know, I don't think Beats is the kind of company. Mm. Um, maybe if if you look at how this thing was constructed from the ground up, maybe maybe Apple thought it would be better to keep it, you know, as an Apple first product mm. um, for a variety of reasons. Um, I, th- yeah, I think it's a clever maybe. move if they did do it like that. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it is. I I actually think this is going to do better for them than the Apple Watch. Oh yeah, um, the the Apple Watch. Um, for me, never seemed like a, a, an utterly compelling product, like the iPhone was, like the iPad was. Mm. Um, it, it wasn't something that I wanted to own. It wasn't something I wanted to rush out and get. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather buy a Garmin sports watch, to be honest, than buy an Apple watch. Mm. Um, I'd give it, I, th- I find a sports watch just gives me a lot more functionality than I'd get out of an Apple watch for the same price. Uh. Um, but... He, but a, a, a smart speaker appeals to me a lot more. Now, if I was in the Apple ecosystem, if I was an iPhone user and a MacBook user and a, and an iPad user, I'm only an iPad user. Um, if I was in that Apple ecosystem, then this would certainly appeal to me because of uh, you know because of the, the just how cleanly it fits into that whole ecosystem. Oh yeah, very um, much. Very much. I, so. I, I'm keen to buy a smart speaker. Um, I don't know if it'll be the Apple one. Um, I, I'd probably lean a, away from getting the Apple one because. Uh, because I, I, I'm not very impressed with Siri. Um, I, I think that uh, the I haven't used um, Alexa on Amazon, but uh, certainly Google Google's voice assistant is, is superior to Siri um, in terms of its uh, ability to recognize my voice and in terms of its usefulness. Mm, mm. Uh, so that that would probably turn me against. So I think Apple probably has a lot of work to do on improving Siri uh, in the in the next little while, um, but. I'm in the market for one of these things, and nice, I'll consider nice. the I'll consider the Apple one. Um, it, you know, it may even come down to who brings these to South Africa first. None of them is available in South Africa yeah. yet. I think you also want to look at other features. I mean, one of the things that's kind of disappointing about the HomePod, and I'm sure, and I hope this will change, mm. but is the fact that it's it's not available with all music apps. So, for example, I can't use my Symphony uh, oh, yeah, Africa subscription. With, it's locked in. I don't even think they uh, support um, Spotify at the moment, which is a big 
yeah. big short uh, shortcoming. Another if, uh, reason not to get it because Apple's yeah. built a big walled garden here. But for me, yeah. I'm in the ecosystem, so it's not as much as a, a hindrance. Yeah, but it's yeah. still something I will look at. You know, just for compatibility across the board. You know, especially yes. if you want to change yeah. uh, hardware. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would definitely go for an open systems based, based uh, approach. Yeah, I would uh, choose yeah. a product that. Um, has been open to developers uh, that, um, and I know they are opening this to developers, but it'll still be Apple's walled garden. Uh, yeah, you know, I'd like to yeah. be able to. I'd like to be as a developer. I mean, as a as a consumer, I'd like to know that developers can, for example, uh, change Siri to something else uh, mm-hmm. on that device. If you don't want to use Siri, this, you should be able to choose another option. And, and and if I don't want to use Apple Music, if I want to be able to play my tunes through Google Play Music, for example, which yeah, I subscribe yeah. to, I want to be able to do that through the device. I do not want to be locked into Apple's music ecosystem. Exactly. I think we need to look at devices like this, particularly the HomePod as example, that this is like, a, let's say, an iPad or, or an iPad without a screen that's built into a speaker. It's not a speaker first. It's it's this piece of technology mm. That software runs on. Now, if you look at it like that, what has what has Apple done with with their technology, their iPads? They've closed it up. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, there's a lot you can do if you go through the App Store or the iTunes Store, um, but it's still a closed ecosystem. Now, if somebody like Android were to develop a HomePod equivalent, mm-hmm. uh, that would be same technology, but open on a on a Android and maybe a, a broader ecosystem. Mm-hmm. That's where I would like to spend my money. Something that you can you know play with the software on it because it is at the end of the day just a, a a PC or computer or iPad type device yeah. uh, with speaker speaker built around it. Then I think we're going to see some interesting developments. Um, but that could also open open it up for 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 abuse. You know, hacking. You don't want a rogue speaker running in your house uh, if you can't <laughs> control the software. <laughs> could be a problem. You just imagine a rogue speaker in your house. <laughs> speaker. I'm not gone. talking about a, a Donald Trump style speaker. <laughs> speaker of the house. A no. Speaker. No a speaker gone bad. You can just imagine this thing swearing at you and. <laughs> hey like you. A, hey you. What are you doing? <laughs> like a bad parrot swearing at you. <laughs> but I mean, if the if the if the if the if it isn't secured, I mean, yeah, you don't want people to listen in on your conversation, which you know, it's, yeah. it's a, it is a real concern. It might not affect everybody, but I mean, if you if you are anybody, a celebrity or you know, yeah. pseudo rich person, yeah, you, you could be a target. Yeah, and these things will get hacked. You can sure, be sure the hackers are already working on them. Um, mm. Imagine the sort of juicy stuff you could uh, you could get from uh, listening into people's conversations. I, and I heard uh, Steve Ballmer, or I read about Steve Ballmer the other day, enthusing about uh, the Amazon Echo and said he's got them all over his house. Now, I can imagine, you know, someone would love to listen into what Steve Ballmer talks about oh, in his yeah. house. So, oh, yeah. you, know, you, you do have to be a bit cautious about these things, I suppose. Oh, definitely. But I think that's where I would put, I would bet more money on an Apple ecosystem because it, it's, it's, it's got a track rate or record of being more secure than uh, many of its competitors. Yeah, possibly. The other thing that was interesting for me is also from the launch is Mac OS High Sierra, not the name so much. The new Mac OS, yeah. Um, the new file system, they're going to bring in Apple file system APFS, yeah. um, which is going to include, among other things, uh, optimized support for solid-state drives, native encryption, crash protection. Um, and for video editors like myself, the H. Point two six five, which is the the five oh, yes. K compression technology, will be built in, um, which will great. You know, obviously, will make it uh, render times better, but also allow for smaller file sizes. Okay, I thought that was quite interesting. I'm looking forward to that one. Interesting. Okay, when when is that coming out? 
Uh, also, at the end of the year, it should be okay. uh, after the next announcement, I think. There's a public beta, um, yeah. which I'm, for the first time in a long while, very excited about to do a public beta on my on my work machine. All right. Um, which will do, I think, end of this month, they're going to launch it. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Living on the edge there, Rechot. <laughs> Living on the edge, yeah. But not as much on the edge as uh, that new iMac. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Starting price of 5,000 US dollars. So, what we're looking at once it's imported with taxes and stuff, uh, probably around 80,000 Rand. Yeah, probably like that. Or you buy a software plan ticket, go over, buy it, and come back. I'm sure. I'm it's sure all, you can all, justify yeah. something like that. Yeah, try, try and sneak that past customs or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Under your arm, yes. But I mean, this is a beast. So, it's a 5K yeah. retina display. Um, processor options on this unit would include a 3.4 gigahertz or 3.5 gigahertz or 3.8 gigahertz, uh, quite core Intel i5 processor. But I5. the beast, yeah. yeah. But, oh, but this, beast, is, this is the this is the iMac. Though. This isn't the iMac Pro. Yeah, yeah, no, this is the normal one. But yeah. the, uh, the 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 beast will be the 4.5 gigahertz. No, yeah, on this uh, on this level, the yeah. 4.5 gigahertz core i7 processor. Now that pro that we were talking about, yeah. oh my word! Um, what's in that? What's the, what's uh, what are the innards in that thing? It's like uh, just Xeon processors or something. Yeah. So now that one will have the 18 core uh, processor that we uh, oh, we the heard core about. i9. Yeah, that's it, that beautiful thing. I think it'll have up to 128 gigabytes of RAM um, upgradable too. Um, it'll have. I'm just finding. Uh, I lost my page here. Um, obviously, it'll have a top end graphics card. Yeah, sorry, man. I and this is in the same. Uh, this is in the same form factor as the uh, uh, as the uh, iMac. Yeah, so I which mean, is we controversial. Had, which is, is controversial. Con- we had a quick chat about this uh, before the show. I mean, would you want everything built in? I'm not against the idea, but the problem comes in when uh, you want to fix, uh, when you want to repair, or, or potentially upgrade. Mm. Um, I could imagine that when the price drops uh, on something like this, it could be. You know, a good option to go for. But at this price, I'd probably buy a complete spec out machine, PC-based machine, yeah. for, for half that price. Indeed. I was just about to say, if you, you, you can buy a, 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 get a desktop unit that, that isn't in that form factor, so that it is, it is, it is upgradable, upgradable at a far lower cost. Yeah. Why would yeah. you buy this thing? Look, it's a beautiful device, and if you've got money to splash, like uh, <laughs> a lot of businesses um, and individuals do, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, you can't get anything, you know, classier than that, I guess. Um, and if you have an office full of video editors working on this, you know, you've made it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, indeed. But, but um, sure. I, I mean, the, the problem with the Mac Pro, that the last Mac Pro that they introduced was that it was this weird trash can shaped cylindrical thing that was almost impossible to upgrade mm-hmm. um is isn't that professional design market looking for i think they call it the cheese grater aren't they looking yeah. for a, a a desktop uh, uh what do they call it a tower case type uh um box that they can open up and slot in a new graphics card when 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 the current yes. one is, is starting to look a bit long in the tooth you can't do that with this new machine can you unless you're using some sort of external no. graphics card well, yes. So they, I've I've seen, um, and I can't find the link now, but there's definitely a external graphics card that uh, that's going to be available for the MacBooks. So I mean, that yeah. is an option, but I, I don't think it's the solution that we're talking about here. Yes, a lot of designers and and, and geeks like ourselves would prefer to go for a a user upgradable device like the cheese grater. Yeah. 
But this is really the device I think Apple should have introduced when they did um, the trash can. Yeah. The trash can shouldn't have been a product. That should have that should have been a concept maybe. But, but this is a product they should have uh, announced uh, in place of that. And if they did it, the price would have been a lot more affordable now, I think. Yes, yes. there would still be a high inversion with, uh, you know, with all those bells and whistles. Yeah. But to be honest with you, if, if I work in any design, video, AR, VR, any of those industries, I just want a machine that works. You know, mm-hmm. Let me sit in front of it. Let me do my work, get it done. It'll probably have to be spec'd out, so it'll be an expensive upfront investment. Mm-hmm. But I'm not too worried about upgrading. I mean, my iMac, uh, my MacBook Pro is, what, four years old now. It was the high, highest-end device that I could buy at the time, and it's still perfect for my needs now. Mm-hmm. So there was no need to upgrade anything. I'm happy with it. The next purchase I'll make is when there's a new model that comes along that I think would uh, better my requirements for, for video editing and those kind of things, that's when I'll make a choice to upgrade again. It's it's not it's not, an, it's not nice to, to have to spend this much money with each cycle, but I think in a lot of the IT tech space, this is what we've come accustomed to. You know, it's just instead of upgrading, you, you spend money on a new device like a new car every four to five years. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this thing is almost the price of a small car <laughs> if you spec it out. I'm actually on the Apple website now having a look at this thing, and it's it's insane. So it's actually the Xeon processor, 810 or yes. 18 core Z- Xeon processor from Intel. So uh, um, turbo boost up to 4.5 gigahertz, f- up to 42 megabytes of cache. Uh, Vega 22 graphics. teraflops of GPU performance, which is quite a bit. <laughs> uh, 16 gigabytes of high bandwidth memory, up to 400 gigabytes per second memory bandwidth. Um, well, I see they're pitching this as a virtual reality platform, up to 128 gig of RAM. DDR4, 2.6 gigahertz RAM, up uh, to a 4 terabyte SSD. My word. Um, no, this is a beast. Uh, but yeah. I'd love to know what, uh, how much it would cost if you do spec it out to the max with the 128 gig of RAM, the 4 terabyte SSD, etc. It'll be well over 100,000 Rand, definitely. Oh, easily. I think you'll be, you will actually be putting this into the price of a small car. Um, but you, you touched on something interesting now. Um, you mentioned the, uh, it really is built for VR, and that's that. I think also is really where Apple is going with this. This isn't a machine for your magazine designer or your, you know, no. the guy that designs websites. This is this is for somebody who, uh, very at a very high end level, mm. I think, is going to go into the AR a development, which which contains everything from graphics to video to audio. Mm. This has to be a machine for them because they are going to be pushing that technology on the the next revision of the iPhone, the iPhone eight. Um, we've seen some um, some demos that they did. I uh, saw so after WWDC with a software that they've launched or that they're going to be launching that makes uh, easy for developers to create uh, AR virtual reality worlds or AR worlds, mm. um, and it'll make sense for them to then have a machine to back it up. You know, if you want to develop for our system and get the best out of that, you know, here's a machine you can do it on. Yeah, yeah. But still, very, very expensive technology, uh, and uh, no doubt this this technology will be uh, in the standard iMac in give it three or four years time. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. Uh, so you are um, at the bleeding edge here, I suppose, <laughs> and, and, and paying for the privilege thereof. Uh, but uh, it must be an amazing machine. I, I look forward to uh, maybe taking a stroll down to the uh, local ice store and having a look at it at some point. Oh uh, yes, when it comes out, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's our news this week uh, as I try and find out what I've done with my show notes. So there they are. Um, let's move on to our regular features. Uh, winner and loser this week. Our loser this week is ETV. Um, for obvious reasons, they uh, lost the court case against Faith Mutambi 
they've also been dragging out this uh, digital migration process for years now over this encryption mm. thing. Um, and uh, they really were, um, they really were, what's the word, uh, handed it to them uh, uh, This uh, in this judgment. Uh, the, the justice is actually quite critical of uh, ETV, suggesting even that uh, they're uh, trying to take advantage of government policy for their own commercial interests. Mm. Uh, so ETV is our loser of the week. And our winner this week is Elon Musk, uh, for this, only for the reason that Tesla, uh, his electric car company, is now worth more than BMW. Oh, that was fantastic news. What an achievement. I mean, <laughs> his company is, a, is, is nanoscale next to BMW. Um, mm. I mean, he mm. produces only 80,000 cars a year. And BMW, obviously, much bigger than I don't have the number with me in terms of the number of vehicles they manufacture, but their, uh, their order is of magnitude bigger than that. But uh, certainly the market is anticipating big things from Mr. Musk. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. he, is, he has overtaken BMW now to become the fourth most valuable car maker in the world. I mean, that's a scary thought because how many countries is Tesla available in versus the countries that BMW is available in? <laughs> Indeed. And how many cars do BMW have on the road and how many cars yes. does Tesla have on the road? Indeed. That's it's, phenomenal. It's phenomenal. But, uh, I mean, I suppose it could be argued that there's a bubble in the this, in this stock. Um, you know, I certainly wouldn't be buying Tesla shares at, at, at the current valuation. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, hubris and, and a lot of... Um, uh, it, it's called it expectation built into that share price. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it coming back a bit at some point. Uh, but certainly, I mean, larger than BMW in terms of market value is quite an achievement. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. What's your pick this week, Rechot? Um So it's my turn to do an audiobook pick. Um, I'm a fan of audible.com. Um, and uh, last week I read or listened to a book called The Professor and the Madman. Um, written by Simon Winchester. And it's a very interesting story about one of the most prolific contributors to the English Oxford Dictionary. And it also has a bit of a story about how the English Oxford Dictionary came to be. Um, It's quite fascinating if you're a writer because it kind of gives you uh, some insight into the thinking behind why such a thing was ever needed, you know, and uh, people uh, and and what a mammoth task it was, uh, what what a mammoth task it was uh, simply to get, you know, every word um, explained and referenced in every piece of literature available between I think it was 16th century upwards. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't stop playing it. It was uh, fantastic. A fantastic read. I would uh, highly recommend it. Either the 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 real book or the audible version, um, the Professor and the Madman. Sounds great. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Um, although the number the number of titles I've got uh, backing up on on my Audible <laughs> at the moment is a bit frightening. Uh, I've been listening to so many other podcasts. I don't see, seem to uh, mm. find time to get to my Audible. So I've actually been thinking of cancelling my Audible because I, I just don't get to. The problem is I've got about four or five credits owing to me, and you know you can't accumulate more than five credits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've got to use up those credits before I cancel my subscription because if you cancel your subscription, you lose your your credits. Uh, but you keep your books. You keep so, your books. You do keep yeah, your books, yeah, yeah. but you have you have to use your credits, otherwise you yes, lose them. Yes, um, yes. And I, I, but just get some books, just buy them, keep them aside, and then uh, yeah, when the time comes, and then that's what I do later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we resubscribe, I cancel every few months because it, uh, it is quite expensive. It is quite expensive. You know, I think it was about two hundred and twenty rand a month at the current exchange rate. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you're not using it all the time, it it can it it, it is a pricey product to have to. To pay for every month, uh, I think that's a good strategy. Maybe subscribe for six months of the year, bulletin credits, and cancel for the second six months. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, I've got so much backed up, including that the the sequel to that my my last audiobook pick, which was that uh, book about uh, Bob, 
Um, yes. the, 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 that sci-fi novel, um, uh, the Bobbyverse, uh, fantastic first book, and I, I still need to uh, get cracking on the second one, which uh, I believe is is very good. And a shout out to Adam, uh, who who mails me uh, from time to time about the podcast. He's uh, he had a listen to that that audible, and he's listened to the second book, and he says it's well worth it. Nice. Um, so that's so, just on my list too. So so Adam, I'm going to get to it soon, um, but uh, I'm afraid don't expect any more uh, audiobook picks from me for a while because <laughs> I have a lot of catching up on other things I need to do, uh, including uh, that new. Uh, book in the Bobbyverse series. Um, and uh, that, I think, is our... No, I need to give my pick. Yeah. <laughs> my pick this week is, uh, as, as I lean over to get the name of it, is the uh, Jabra Elite Sport. Um, last year, I reviewed the uh, uh, a, a similar product from Jabra, but it was a, it's a Bluetooth wireless um, sports um, headset. Uh, for listening to music or podcasts, etc. Uh, last year, I, I, I reviewed one that had a cable that linked the the uh, earpieces uh, that you you kind of put behind your neck. Mm. Uh, it worked well. Sometimes that cable got a little bit annoying because it was bouncing around as you ran, for example. Uh, this is the new product from from Jabra. Uh, it's called the Elite Sport, and it's completely wireless. Um, so you literally plug the little uh, speaker into each ear. Connected wirelessly to your phone, and that's it. Off you go. Um, nice. The big, the biggest trick is uh, it, it's got a lot of little um, earpiece goodies that come in the in the box, uh, and you have to try all of them to get the right fit for you. So, mm, in terms mm. of the setup, you have to have a bit of patience. Uh, and I'm quite an impatient person, <laughs> uh, and I got a bit frustrated because I, I, I certainly don't like to read manuals, and <laughs> so I was trying to figure this all out myself and getting increasingly frustrated. So, the first trick is if you decide to get this product, uh, and it's a great product, by the way. Um, then uh, just have a bit of patience when you open the box. Read the the, the little manual that comes with it. Uh, mm. Don't do what I did and try and figure it out yourself. Um, uh, it's actually quite easy once you get the hang of it. And once you've got the little goodies attached, um, these little ear pieces fit very snugly in your ear and there's, there's no chance of them falling out. Even if you have a, a tumble on the trails, for example, like I often do, <laughs> um, <laughs> they'll stay snugly, snugly attached to your ear provided you've, you've, you've um, found the right fit for you. Um, it's a it's a cool product. It comes in a little case where, which has an integrated battery. Uh, so you this can, sounds very familiar. This sounds like uh, the Apple Pods, the new Pods. Uh, yes, charging case. They compete. Kind of they compete directly with that. And uh, indeed, they've got their little charging case, just like the uh, the the uh, what are the Apple ones called? Um, Earpods, uh, I think. Earpods, yeah, yeah the earpods. Um, so they're very similar to that. Um, they're designed for sports, so they've got a guarantee on them that uh, that you, they won't get damaged um, as you sweat while while doing exercise. Um, they, they're not cheap; they're about three and a half thousand rand. So they uh, they they you know they're also in that sort of same price range as the Apple product. Um, but uh, Jabra, well known, I think they're a Danish company. Uh, and uh, they they produce good quality products, um, mm, but mm. yeah, not not cheap. But if you're looking for a truly wireless um, system uh, obviously you still need to run with your phone um, but if you're looking for a truly wireless uh, system uh, bluetooth based uh, that'll allow you to listen to music or catch up on podcasts uh, like this one uh, <laughs> while you're uh, while you're doing exercise gymming or running uh, or whatever it is you like to do um, then they're worth having a look at but um uh, I think available through a number of retail outlets like Incredible Connection. Uh, they're called the Jabra Elite Sport, worth checking out. About three and a half grand. Nice. Uh, and did you try the in-ear heart rate monitor on that? I haven't yet. Um, I'm going to do a full review of this product, though, in the coming weeks, so look okay. out for that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see that. But, yeah, yeah. It's got an in-ear in, in uh, heart rate monitor. I do, I do find, though, that um, on, on these products, I, you know, you can – 
you can have them give you all sorts of audio feedback as you're going, telling you how your running is going, whether you should be running faster, uh, telling you every so often what your heart rate is, uh, all that sort of thing. I tend to find it a bit annoying after a while because you know I'm trying to listen to a podcast. Or I'm enjoying a, yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. the album I'm listening to, and every 30 seconds you're getting interrupted saying your heart rate is 160 beats a minute, and you should be running a little bit faster than you are. You know, it's like <laughs> shut up, I'm Stop trying to listen. me, woman. Yeah, I'm trying to listen to this podcast. You know, go away. So what I end up actually doing is switching off a lot of those things. Um, but I can understand that, uh, you know, professional athletes want, want to know exactly what their heart rate is at any given moment will, 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 would welcome that sort of feedback. Um, but personally, as a sort of weekend runner, I, um, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a performance athlete. So I, I don't, um, you know, I don't necessarily need all that feedback. So I tend to go into the app and switch it all off and then just use it to listen to music or, or listen to whatever podcast I want to listen to. But it's a cool product, um, and uh, you know if you're uh, if you're uh, looking for something that's completely wireless. And, and let's I mean let, let, let's face it, having a, a wired headset uh, while you're running is a pain. Uh, they get the wires get tangled, they get in the way, especially on a longer run. It gets really irritating after a while. So um, I haven't done a long run with these yet, but uh, I'm planning to soon. Um, but uh, so I, I still need to determine just how comfortable they are, you know, on a 20 or, or 25k run. Um, but they, they feel pretty comfortable, um, you know, for short distances so far. Uh, uh, but look out for the full review. We'll have that up in the next couple of weeks. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show for this week. Uh, we just need to do our quiz. Quiz, uh, quiz answers. Uh, let me do the first question. Which two companies bought into Stellenbosch Infosec company Intersect this week? And the answers to that are uh, the answer to that rather is uh, Rand Merchant Investment Holdings through Alpha Code, uh, which is that fintech um, hub that they've created in Santon, and Nedbank Private Equity. The second question: Ibis and Broadlink parent WBS has a new name. What is it? And the answer there is Rain. Very descriptive. Yeah, nice name. <laughs> nice name. Yeah, yeah certainly memorable. Uh, the third question in the quiz this week, the answer to question two uh, is uh, building a wireless broadband network using which technology? Uh, the answer to that is LTE Advanced. The fourth question, which telecommunications operator is the new headline sponsor for the Springboks? And for a bonus point, what is the sponsorship period? And if you watched the game last night, the answer is MTN and it's for three years. Three years. It was a good game. It started started, oh, very it started a bit slowly, but I enjoyed the second half uh, we did well. Uh, and our last uh, question in the quiz this week, Apple has unveiled a new smart speaker for the home. What's it called? And the answer is HomePod. And that's our show this week. As always, if you've got any feedback, our email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Until next time, from Rechel and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.